Hey gang, my name is Chris Hartram. Welcome to the very first episode of the Talking Book Podcast. Talking Book is a literary-focused audiobook house. We record and publish independent literature in audio, audiobooks, records, tapes, CDs, MP3s. You've probably heard of them. You may even listen to them. If you don't, you should, because they're cool again. I think they are. I hope they are. You can see us at talkingbook.pub. That's talkingbook.pub. So anyway, um, me and my sound engineer, Dave Burr, who you can probably hear laughing in the background during this conversation you're about to hear, just spent about six days or so with the writer Scott McClanahan here in our studio in Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains, where it's very green and currently raining. Scott stayed with us while he was recording his new novel, The Sarah Book. Uh, He slept in our studio bedroom, drank Diet Mountain Dew, he had his dog Jelly with him. Uh, I think he had a good time. I know we did. Uh, But his book sounds awesome, and it it was a fun production, really fun to record. I've actually never seen anyone narrate with so few mistakes, at least not an author. But, uh... But he was just a really sweet guy, very laid back, super nice. Um, I would say he had a very kind heart. I liked the guy a lot. We ate a lot of hamburgers, Scott, Dave, and I. Um, we talked about stuff, books, West Virginia, Britpop, Blur vs. Oasis, Pro Wrestling, Wild at Heart. But anyway, here's our conversation with Scott McClanahan, author of the Sarah book. In print, from Tyrant Books, and in audio from yours truly, June 20th. Where did you, uh, I know you said earlier when we were eating burgers that you uh, you uh, had a master's degree. Where'd you go to college? I went, to, I got a, my bachelor's from Concord, uh, which is in, which is like the what would they would have called like a normal school in the 19th century, yeah. but it became it was a teacher's school, uh-huh. you know, teach for like poor hillbilly kids sure. how to go in and teach other poor hillbilly kids. Um, but um, yeah, I went there and Concord was amazing. Like I mean, it was amazing. Uh, the professors I had were just there was something else. Like I had Dr. David Bard who graduated from the you know, University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. I went to the War College. He was a history teacher. Yeah. New James McPherson, he'd tell you stories, you know, he's like, well, last week I was with James McPherson and I said, Jimmy, how do you write such masterpieces? And Jimmy looked at me and said, Dr. Bard, how do you dedicate your lives to your students? You know, shit like that. Right. <laughs> you're, you're a teacher now, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I teach. And how long have you been teaching there? You teach it. Uh, what is the name of yeah, it? Yeah, uh, maybe we shouldn't even say. Shouldn't say. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a little community and technical college. I've been there, I think it's 13 years now, I believe. Yeah, teaching is like a weird profession. It's like... Do you um, like it? I mean, I guess you... Oh, I think I'm a bit burnt out. It's one of those things that's fascinating because, you know, like all... There's like a link between rock stars. Like Mick Jagger's father was a teacher. Like. There's a link between dictators, like you know, or just think LBJ uh-huh. was a teacher, you know, uh, uh, Chairman Mao was a librarian, um, you know, all of this of telling somebody to do something and right. then they fucking do it, like right. that's what's so or else that's what's so strange. You know, I'm in a class with people who are 
you know, physically stronger than I am and intellectually, you know, more developed than I am. But I tell them to take out a sheet of paper and they take out a sheet of right. paper. And, <laughs> um, and I think that the, I think that, you know, it's interesting that way. It's interesting that way. But yeah, I think, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of, I think I've got a bit burnt out with it at Subways. So once, uh, but it's been, a, I mean, it's been a great job to have. Right. I always hate when writers go on and on about getting paid for the writing and all that crap. It's like, get a job. Get a guy. Get a job, you job. dirty hippie. <laughs> Contribute to society in some way. That's, that's right. right. Well, so when I, uh, you know, after Dave and I convinced you to move to Asheville, so <laughs> then you can run that line back at me right. when I'm unemployed. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but, I just want to work, I just want to deal with my art. <laughs> I want to push my art forward. And I can't do that if I'm unemployed. <laughs> yeah, Late stage capitalism. That's the reason why you're saying that. <laughs> I want to say one more thing about late-stage capitalism on that. Isn't it amazing? That's what I was thinking about, looking back to these... People used to die diarrhea. They still do in certain parts. In certain parts parts of the world. Isn't it amazing that you can order something online? This little piece of shit, right? right? And it'll appear at your door... In a day or two. In a drone. And you can, in a drone. Can you imagine how your great, great, great grandmother would have fucking spit in your face with the complaints that you have uh, about your life at this at this point in time? Right. Yeah. You know, if you made $20,000 in the world economy, you were of the 1%. Right. That's insane. Uh-huh. That's insane to, to, to think about. So Last night I was bitching about my brand new couch from West Elm because I thought that it wasn't comfortable enough. I was <laughs> yeah. literally just doing yeah. that. Yeah. And the very mm-hmm. art forms that we have are in some ways like kind of outgrowths of fucking capitalism. You know, like the concept of leisure time in the 19th century. That's when the novel explodes. Yeah. And I just, but anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, having, but I'm a communist. Yeah, having said that, so we, <laughs> we know Scott's a communist, but going back to the, the, the working thing. So if, if, you know, if I were going to ask you a, um, a question like, oh, do you ever want to, you know, just uh, try to make enough money just writing? Do you want to do that? Or would you rather keep a job? I'd rather keep a job. You think so? Yeah, and I think maybe we've mentioned that the first time I was down here. Just like, there's a great Renata Adler, you know, wrote Speedboat interview where she's like, you know, being a professional writer is nothing but a fucking trap. Right. You, know, you start going down to, you know, feed yourself. You start agreeing to do shit that you'd never agree to do. Mm-hmm. Everything I've done, I've done because I wanted to do it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I might complain about it, right? In a real kind of self-pity sort of bullshit. But, you know, I've had the, at least the control of of being able to being able to do that. I mean, I don't see where people, like, get their stories, like, who are just... I think it kind of shows in some ways in people's work. Right. When they, when they don't have some sort of connection to... To the out to the outside world. At least uh-huh. always is always yeah, what, what, the hell, what the hell are they writing like, about at that oh, and point? And also yeah. like you know you're boring as hell. Like yeah. maybe that's the reason why this piece here is boring as hell. Right. Um. So yeah, I've always I've always liked having a job. I mean, people talk about that. That old it's it's a tired conversation now. But the the criticism of like MFAs. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Go out there. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Do something exactly. Well, it's, well, I think it's like kind of a dumb sort of conversation too. Right. I mean, they're great writers who are in MFA totally. programs, and they're great. It's like the too. difference between like indie lit and like you know the big five or you know the you know the big publishers. They publish a lot of shit, but you know what? There's a lot of shit published in indie lit. Too. Totally, yeah. um, probably just about as much shit's being published mm-hmm. in independent literature as uh, you know any from the big publishers. Right. So you know, 
Well, I shouldn't have got all political there. No, you should. With my capitalism, my capitalism rant, right? <laughs> well, uh, talking about uh, the Sarah book, which is why you're here, um, and you said, you know, writing stuff because you want to write it. How long have you been writing that book, and what made you originally oh, want to write it? Maybe I'm like contradicting myself. I don't know if I'm with the Sarah book if I did it because I was like had a contract and and <laughs> yeah, it published. It was like, oh shit, I need to, I need to, yeah, I need to write a book. Um, but it's a long was time like, in the making. Yeah, there though, was right? like a chapter that appeared in a book of short stories of mine in like 2009. Which one was that? The... Uh, stories five. And it was a chapter that doesn't exist in the book. Right. I've published so many chapters from that book online. Like people would ask me for something. It's like, sure, I'll give you a chapter in the Sarah book. Right. And that don't even exist. <laughs> don't even yeah. exist in the book. Like aren't even close to, to what exists in the book. There was like a draft of some sort completed finally in 2014. But there was even a draft before that. I went through this weird period where I was I read a bunch of Nicholas Sparks novels because I decided like if I read Nicholas Sparks, I can figure out how I can make this a hit and right. do something really interesting with it. <laughs> That's a fun choice, Nicholas Sparks. And then you read like that. one Nicholas Sparks novel. You read one of them. You read them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's a Carolina boy. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is. Yeah, isn't I think he? so. And um, and so I had that, which just sounds like alcoholism and drug abuse <laughs> to me, like that idea. And um, and so then there was a draft in 2014. Then there was another draft in the spring of 2015. Then another, like, I don't even think that there's anything in the book from those drafts that, oh, that really? look like survive. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think there's a war. Because I brought that up to you before. I remember yeah. way back in the day before we were going to even you know thought about recording this book there was like a yellow cover yeah yeah that was black letters gene did that as a mock-up see i think it was i think gene had it in like the fucking consortium catalog even right as maybe early as 2013 i know as early as 2015 it was in the catalog right as as ready to ready to come out well then what was the if you were gonna just you know come up with a a really rough date you know since what year had you been Mm. working on this I mean, yeah, I mean, I was working steady on it. It just kept changing. It just, like, kept changing. Right. I remember being, like, because I would wake up in the morning, and I'd just, like, get hammered, and I'd sit at my desk, and I would listen to songs. At that time, I had, like, a CD player, and I'd listen to songs, and I would write. I did that for a year, so that would have been late 2012, 2013 that I was doing that. Right. Um, probably like the, as of now, the way it works, like, I think I had the book in the spring of 2015. Like the book was there. The book was there. Yeah. And I remember you said, uh, when we were at the diner the other day that it was, it was kind of the first book you had written sober. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of it, you know, kind of written drunk, but part of it kind of written sober though, or at least what you get is kind of the sober book. I I don't want to admit that, but I think, you know, you have like a horrible... As much as I want to say that that doesn't matter, like, I always had, like, I don't know, even kind of Iggy and the Stooges getting back together. It's like, it's just, like, sad and pathetic. Right, they're all know? sober. It's they're like, all so uh, sad. Right. Um, or, I don't know, Johnny Laden doing butter commercials in England. Like, there's, like, <laughs> there's always, like, something that I just, you know, you don't want to think that you think that cliched stereotype of, like, the romantic poets of, you know, England, but... 
but yeah, yeah, you you still have that present, and um, and so I think maybe that took me longer to get over than even writing a book. Mm-hmm. I think also too, I wanted to write like a a very different book than what I wound up with. Right. Like I think I wound up with something that's very different from what I originally started with. I wanted it to be more like you know Crapalacha work of sideways. Right. Doesn't you know like crap? You know I don't know. It's right there. That yeah. book like. There, there's a first half to it. There's not even a second half. Like, it's just yeah. a bunch of shit thrown together. Sure. This sort of fucking works. Right, definitely. Uh, works. And I was, like, fascinated by that charge of, like, things bouncing up against one another uh, in a very kind of unusual way. And, of course, Gene, he, he, didn't like, he didn't like any of that stuff. So, you know, we all that stuff got ripped out. And... Well, I was going to ask you, was it, you know... Uh, was it Jan, your editor, who was definitely instrumental in saying, like, let's go something oh, more yeah, direct? Yeah, more yeah. And that's what I think, I guess, was, you know, the positives of, I don't think there's another, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have, but other editors working with writers, like, there's not a probably more intense, like, closer sort of, an editor spending time with your manuscript than what I've got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure even, like, you know, Big writers on big presses probably don't have the same sort of relationship to their to their editor. You know, you pass through it once, you pass through it twice, and then right. it's published or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and the Sarah book's always been like kind of almost like a weird battle of wheels, and uh, between in, you and him, in some ways, yeah, yeah. On, on like you know, I guess on a real tender sort of sort of level of you know like what's going to work and what's what's not going to. Uh, what's not going to work, and and the balance, you know, and the balance of that, what you want in there, and then you know what what Gian thinks will will work, right? Because I think I know what the type of writing Gian likes. I think I can do that. What do you think it would? Pretty, how would you? Oh, describe you know, it? Uh, you know, there's a there toughness. Uh, you know, the sentences kind of pristine. Yeah. Uh, but not showy. Um, kind of uh, minimalist. Yeah, kind of a, a certain element of kind of you know minimalism to you know of taking. For instance, like in you know doing the book, like and uh, uh, the thought of most invisible thing of all. Period. Like that's a G in edit, you mm-hmm. know, because I had love afterwards, right, right. at the end of the chapter. Um, and yeah, just you know, these little brilliant little you know editing uh, right. tricks that you know incorporate. So by that uh, logic, there was the Sarah book much longer. Before, yeah, oh yeah. man, we've had so many messes. Like it's been so many different books. Like right. it's been a me- like I, there was even one draft where I killed Sarah off, no like, shit. A, like a Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> so it like it definitely yeah, it became, off into total yeah fiction. it became like it became meta, like you right. know, and, and and then of course you come back and she didn't die. That's just the book, right? Oh, yeah. She's uh, she's alive. So yeah, I mean, it had a lot more a lot more stuff like that. Wow. The kind of Would seems have been such insane. a different book, right? Yeah, yeah. it sort of seems insane now as I like uh, as I like say it out loud. There was more pictures. There was more like hospital stuff in it. Um, uh, there was more like uh, even here recently. You know, we've just edited out some of the some of the direct. You know. Um, uh, kind of references to the reader, just mm-hmm. within the past, you know, six months. Some of those have some wow. of those have gone. Uh, so there was a lot more of that. Because I mean, Jean, maybe I've said this before too, but like Jean believes like reading's, um, you know, like a drug experience, right? Like you enter into it and you don't break those those walls of that world that uh, that you've uh, created. And right. in some ways, I've kind of been the ex- I've always kind of been the exact opposite. Uh, though, though, too, you know, where it's like, no, you you do kind of break, you break those all all the time, 
Um, but I'm I'm happy with what we have. Like I think even like reading back through it, it's like it's like probably pound for pound. Like it's the best thing that I've done. You, you feel know? that way? Yeah, it is. And maybe to the point that there's elements of it that are like unreadable <laughs> for you yeah you or, well maybe for readers in some ways yeah. like i, well, I just think there's like an the, honesty the to it yeah there's an honesty and there's a there's a gravity and in certain places i guess also uh a levity but at the same time i've never cared about like you know trendy subject matter you know i wrote a book about my grandma right <laughs> i mean that's like a cliche of english 101 isn't it? you have your bone jelly yeah, that's her bone. Okay, keep doing that. And um, and I wrote a book about, you know, getting molested as a kid in Hill William. You know, like, that's, again, really bad English 101 essay right. shit. Yeah. And now I'm writing a book about somebody, like, a marriage breaking up. Like, is there... Right. Is there a more, you know, stereotypical sort of literary uh, subject matter? Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I feel like... You know, the second part, I'd like to work more on it, take something out or tinker with it in some ways. But, you know, the, the first part kind of builds to something and then drops you off. And I think the third part has a has a little engine in it, too, that uh, mm-hmm. especially the third part has an engine in it that I don't necessarily understand how we did. But it but it's there. So, well, I obviously love the book um, and you just got done, you know, over the course of a couple of weekends reading it all the way through aloud. And when you said that it's, it can it maybe it would be hard for somebody to read or it's it's pretty pretty yeah, intense. Yeah, it's like you, an intense book. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I don't know if it's gonna if somebody's mom's gonna be going out and I would like the Sarah book, please. Under <laughs> the local to the local bookstore, man. Like this is a, this is a feel good. Well, my mom like her, which I think is a wonderful like criticism. Her criticism of that sometimes is like. Life's bad enough. I don't want to feel bad because of a movie, you know, yeah. uh, which I think is incredibly honest and valid, you know. Um, and some of the greatest films ever made have been escapist type films as their purpose. Uh, but yeah, I've never, never We're, done that. With it's the, funny you with said that. Just today, I was talking to somebody who. So you know, you're narrating it, and Dave's the sound engineer. Yeah. And we're also sending the audio to somebody to check it every mm-hmm. night so that the next day in case there was a mistake yeah, yeah. And today i spoke with him it's ben you know yeah, and yeah. he was like man that's a dark story yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah i can yeah, tell yeah, he was like kind of rattled i know yeah, yeah it's true yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true yeah. it's true yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny because i mean I, I had never met you in real life and i read obviously some of your stuff and i read the sarah book and i was I was kind of, you know, wasn't sure what to expect yeah, when you were coming yeah, here. I was yeah. like, I guess, you know, I guess hide the gin or, yeah. or like, what? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, but, so, but to me, I mean, it couldn't be more different. You're yeah, like a big yeah, sweetheart. No, and so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. weird, isn't it? Like the personas of people that, yeah, that get kind of, yeah, they get kind of packaged and sold, even on like, you know, ridiculous sort of like indie level, you know, because I don't know, shooting, you know, 50 people. I don't know how much the indie lit, you know, 100 people, like kind of know and care about that. Um, but yeah, the way the way things are, yeah, the way things are kind of packaged and interviews I've done. Yeah, it's like, why did I do that? Right. It's like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, I was on C SPAN. Right I was now? on C SPAN. Were you? Yeah. Because of a flood? At the Southern Festival of Books. <laughs> okay. And uh, and I'm like, decided it would be a good idea to take a bunch of Robitussin before. So I'm like, out of my mind. Like, C SPAN, you can watch the video. Hell yeah. And just stupid stuff, stupid stuff like that. 
Uh, well, I was sick at the time too during the southern. Which one's Robitussin? Cough. Yeah, right. it's like, oh, like yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, you yeah. like drink a whole bottle of it, you feel right. you know feel real weird. I forgot about that. Yeah, like things like kind of move, and like your butt. I don't even know how to even explain the high. It's kind of a weird high. Right. Like you feel like you're like you put your leg down, but like your leg hasn't been put down yet. <laughs> like it's like that. Like, it's not an enjoyable. High. It's like the right. stupidest high that you can that you can imagine. That's, I mean, I still feel and that way whenever go, I smoke weed. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked up, but I don't like the way I'm fucked yeah. up right now. Yeah. And there was also an over-the-counter sleep medicine, too. Not even Tylenol PM, because like, you can't take it because of the acetaminophen, but you can get it without the acetaminophen in it, like an Advil PM. And, like, if you take enough of that, I can remember, like, going and, like, like you urinate after you take a bunch of it. And um, you, uh, you just feel like you're, like, peeing forever. Like, it's like you're there for, like, ten minutes, and you're still peeing. But, like, it's probably only been, you know, 15 seconds that you've been that you've been standing there. So, yeah, really stupid, stupid over-the-counter highs that aren't fun and aren't fun at all. Wait, so I know that you're, uh, you're, you don't really, I don't know what to say. What's the language? You're sober now. <laughs> you don't right, do right. that anymore. It's always like, like, you're clean now. You're it's clean like, well, I was never dirty, right? I was never dirty motherfucker right <laughs> so how long has it been since you you would stop let's say robo tripping on c-span for example? <laughs> oh yeah oh that's been years now right yeah like i think i was i think i was better to the point where i think i was better by well when julia once we get married so like 2014 early 2014 i was i think i was pretty good to go mm-hmm. i think i was pretty good to go and so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't think it like works for me anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was a sense. great drunk. You know, I was like a fucking great fucking drunk. I wasn't like one of those drunks that was depressing to be around. I was, like, I was fucking fun. Like, you want to go to the gas station and tape me acting like a bunny rabbit? Right. right. <laughs> like, that's who, that's who I was. Bobby Bruce And I used it as like, I used alcohol as like, uh, like a religious experience. I remember what you were know, saying. That, you know, like, like I used it. There's a great Peter O'Toole quote, you know, and they're asking him like, do you do drugs? And he's like, no. He's like, I have the most seductive, most wonderful high imaginal alcohol, right? Uh, and there is like something so amazing about that particular high that's so different with like other like other things like shutting you down. I always felt like more alive because mm-hmm. because of it. And I would sit in the evenings uh, in the basement and I would I would drink and I would have my notebook in front of me and I would have a million ideas that would pop onto the page that I could. When I wasn't drunk, you know, the next day I could kind of pick apart and and right. use uh, and use for myself. So yeah, man, it was always it was always a good time. It was a good time till till it wasn't till it wasn't a good time right. uh, anymore. It's kind of like the classic, uh, you know, right drunk at it sober thing. Yeah, right? you know, yeah, all the ideas, the yeah, flowing, the free flowing, yeah. and the next day. Like, I think I was just having like mental health problems more than like drunk problems. Right. Because I've never, like, I was finally diagnosed and uh, as, like, bipolar, bipolar, mm-hmm. like, that had never happened. And I knew what my issue was, like, right. from, like, the age of fucking 18, you know, but I'd never done anything about it. Right. Um, and then once that got solved, which meant, like, they put me on a medicine that allowed me to sleep, like, I realized, like, I had not slept for, like, decades. Right. You know, real deal sleep. Um so yeah, maybe maybe that was more even my problem than 
than anything else, but just brain shit. And then you add alcohol on top of that. And yeah. It, uh, yeah. And it just does something, you know. Well, let's say, you know, that's Scott and now Scott who, you know, not drinking as much and, you know, yeah, sleeping yeah, much better. Yeah, yeah. You see the, the, the writing has changed at all at all? Yeah, it's... I think I don't care about anything now. Interesting. I think I have, like, meaning that, like, I think this seems so stupid. Right. I think this very, like, this conversation. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but, like, this conversation we're having, yeah. a podcast, an audio book, like, it just feels kind of, like, empty to me. I, it's funny that way. you said that because I remember you said we were talking about the Sarah book and how we were excited about it. And you were like, yeah, this might be my last yeah, I kind I of, how... Yeah, and I kind of, or at least like, I, I don't think that I'm like interested in, in like the, I still, I'm still, I still right. I'm still going to do that, but I'm going to have to have something click in my brain before I can actually like do this, do this. I wonder what that is. And I think that it's like, I've got to the point where like just to like, you know, the, I need to, like, the experiences that I have when I'm home, when I'm with Julia, like, you know, enjoying, like, Mountain Dew. Yeah. Like, that's... He's a holding big a Mountain Dew right it's now. like, a big deal to me, or a donut. Like, actually having that... Exp- and I know it sounds stupid, but, like, being able to, like, enjoy that experience. And this other, all this book stuff feels like that other life when I didn't enjoy... And so you were kind of well, using that as like this, like that. latching onto that because yeah. you weren't enjoying life. Yeah, or... I don't think I was enjoying fucking life at mm. all. All right, I think I was just like this sort of kind of like robot uh, wanting to do things and wanting things, not Need, because you're really yeah, or something. needing some sort of outlet that right. just feels kind of uh, you know pathetic. And it's funny and by that logic, then it's like now you're feeling good and enjoying Mountain Dew and everyday life, so you don't really need to write I know, anymore. I know. Kind of things. Isn't it like that? I mean, I've, I have books. That I could probably put together in the next year and like publish more. Right. Remember somebody was, we were just saying, yeah, like I, have the, was like, I have my fights book, fights with an exclamation point, which is just like these, well, you have all these fight stories with Julia. And then you have these nice stories with Julia and they fight mm-hmm. within the, within the book. There's like this metafictional conceit, uh, within the, within the book, um, and then I have this. I've been working on an encyclopedia. Full, a new encyclopedia. <laughs> an encyclopedia full of all these like little anecdotes. That's badass. Uh, and, and collect yeah. them. And uh, almost like an encyclopedia is autobiography, like of uh, stories about who you are, but stories that have nothing to do with you. Uh, but anecdotes that are connected to who you are or right. what you think or the, or but the indirectly things, somehow. but indirectly, sure. uh, and somehow, and you know, I have, I, I have a country book of country music essays that I have, you know, you probably have like 10 of them done and I don't, and so now it's kind of like figuring out what it is that I want to publish and what I don't want to publish. Mm-hmm. The best thing that ever happened to me is like I had 10 years where I just wrote stuff, you know? And nobody knew who I was. And um, I remember sending off Crapalacha uh, to Soft School Press. This would have been like 2006. And they wrote me back the most smart-ass, motherfucking smarmy little fucking lit letter you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and, of course, they're run by different people now. Right. They're run by good people uh, now. Um, but... Yeah, at that, at that point, you know, when Crapalach came out and it like kind of popped, it's like, well, you know what, motherfuckers? No, there, there you go. There, there you go. go. Um, and that's and that's not the person I want to be. 
Right, sure. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, right. that's like who I was. Right. Uh, and uh, to, like, kind of, like, prove something or, or or whatever. So, yeah, I'm just interested in the writing. I'm just interested. In, I'm more interested in reading. Like, I think I realized at this point in time, like, um, you know, like, we need more readers who, like, actually read who stuff really reading, rather yeah. than, like, writers. And I like being part of that, that kind of anonymous like you know the cathedral like architects of france right we don't know their fucking name right and uh there's something like kind of beautiful about that that i that i love all the great all the great you know readers there's a name i slip in my memory right now of an uh english guy you know from the 13th century or whatever and you know who he is he, he's the guy who copied down the canterbury tales like you wouldn't have that book if this guy hadn't copied it down and uh, the, those those folks those folks just feel more interesting to me right now. Well, that's funny because that kind of goes back to the, uh, you know, there are more and more books, you know, all the time, like so much shit being produced, but like who is, yeah, keeping up and reading yeah, all that, exactly. that beautiful classic exactly. stuff, you know. Some of the books I see, like even, you know, people post, it's like, I don't even think the writer read them. they just they just feel kind of they just feel kind of written or they feel just like something kind of oddball of just like producing something yeah uh to produce right and we have a whole entire like indie like lit like lit blog type industry of you know like how to produce a novel in 30 days or Mm -hmm. how to write sentences that will attract the right agent um where to send your short story this feels like madness to me it feels like incredible like incredible madness mm-hmm. uh, that I want no part of whatsoever. You didn't really. I remember. I think you said this, or I just maybe noticed it that, like back in the day, um, you weren't you weren't trying to really submit or play the lit blog game or put your I never stuff did. on. Never did. I've yeah. never submitted anywhere. Anna sent around a story of mine. This is the first time I've submitted it. Something for years. Sent a story of mine around to. Uh, Paris Review turned it down. This has been like a month ago. And then she yes. sent it to Virginia Quarterly Review and they turned it down. Maybe it's a bad story. I don't know. I mean, it's not It's not like, you know, you know the type. Sure. There's Paris yeah, yeah, Review yeah. fiction, New Yorker fiction. We all know what those things kind of mean. Um, Virginia Quarterly Review turned it down and she wrote me an email. She's like, damn. And I was like, she's like, do you want me to send it? Some? And then she said the name of the next place. I was like, nah, let's just stop that. Which I'm sure she's like, oh, cha-ching, right? Right? This is the right type of personality I'm with here to make some money. Yeah, that's right. Nah, who cares? All right. And then he drove back to West Virginia with his dog, Jelly. Hopefully I see that guy again. Sound engineer Dave already misses him a lot. He keeps talking about it. Um, remember to look out for the Sarah book June 20th in print and audio. In the meantime, listen to an excerpt of Scott McClanahan reading from his new novel, The Sarah Book. A few weeks later, I burned this Bible. Looked over at my friend Chris and said, Hey man, we should burn a Bible. Of course, we've been fucking around like this for a while now month before, we were going through the Taco Bell drive through and our order total came up 666. So every time I went out with friends and wanted to freak them out, I'd start talking about how I felt the devil was after me. I'd say, 
Like seriously, I think the fucking devil is after me. Then I'd stop at Taco Bell and order my devil order, and it'd come up 666, just like always, and everyone would go, holy fuck, and lose their shit. Maybe this was a sign. Maybe Satan was trying to tell me something. So I started looking for a Bible to burn. Chris thought it wasn't a good idea and that Sarah was going to find out. I told him not to worry about Sarah. I was a grown-ass man, and if I wanted to burn a Bible, then Sarah couldn't tell me not to. I looked through the basement bookshelves and at all the Bibles we own. There were three of them. There was a Bible from the Gideons, and there was a Bible with a black cover that had been my childhood Bible. Then there was another Bible on the bottom shelf. This was the newest Bible. This was the Bible someone got us for our wedding. I reached down and pulled it off the shelf. It was one of those big plush white Bibles, and it had Sarah and Scott McClanahan on the corner in gold. It's the kind of Bible you see on people's coffee tables or at somebody's grandma's house. I don't think we should, Chris said, but I didn't listen to him. So I put the Bible on the table and opened it to the book of Daniel. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. I walked over to another part of the basement where Sarah kept her father's old tools. I looked around for a while and then I finally found some old lighter fluid and matches. I took the lighter fluid and squirted squirt squirt on the Bible pages. Then I took a match and it lit. Then I blew the match out. Oh shit, let me do something. I turned off the lights. Chris repeated, we shouldn't be doing this, we shouldn't be doing this. But I just lit another match and let the match drop down on the Bible. And then there was a ripping sound and the Bible blazed bright. My face glowed in light. I saw myself in the reflection from the window and there was a halo around my head. The flames spread across the pages like ocean waves and then burned from red to brown to black. I put out the bits of dark embers and that was it. Nothing happened. It was the same as when I drank in the car and the devil didn't have anything to say. Then Chris and I laughed. Then we heard Sarah upstairs and we panicked. I shut the Bible shut. The paper crinkled and wrinkled. Then I slid the Bible on the bottom shelf and she came down the stairs. A month later, I'd already forgotten about it. I don't know why, but I'd just put the burned Bible back on the bottom shelf instead of throwing it away. Sarah and I were downstairs with one of Sarah's friends. I was working at my desk and Sarah was showing her friend the new floor we put down in the basement. Oh, it looks nice. Yeah, it really looks nice. They were saying this type of shit. So Sarah's friend looked at the shiny floor, and then she looked at all of my books on the shelves, and she said, So many books. Sarah shook her head and said, Yep, he likes books. Then Sarah's friend saw something on the bookshelves that interested her. I heard Sarah's friend say, Oh God, we used to have a Bible just like that when I was a kid. I used to love those big plush Bibles. I flipped around and watched the woman pull the burned Bible off the shelf and hold it. Sarah told the woman that she got the Bible a couple of years before as a wedding present. Then Sarah's friend opened up the Bible, and the burned pages crinkled and crackled and popped up into the air. Sarah's friend said, Oh God. Sarah said, What the hell? I was caught. Sarah took the Bible from her friend, and then Sarah was quiet. I didn't say anything. I tried to think up what I should say. When I was in the sixth grade, my friends and I stayed up late and drank a whole bottle of cheap wine my parents kept in the back of one of the cabinets. After we were done, instead of throwing the bottle away, I just put the empty bottle back in the cabinet. The next summer, my mother was cleaning and she came across the empty bottle I'd put back in the cabinet. 
She said, what happened to this bottle of wine, Scott? I said, it must have evaporated. She believed me. When Sarah asked if I knew what happened to the Bible, I didn't know what to do. I wondered if I should lie like I did when I was in the sixth grade and say I didn't know what she was talking about and give her a look like she was fucking weird. But I told her the truth. I told her Chris and I had burned the Bible. At first she just stood and looked at me like she was confused. Then she said really quiet, Why would you do that? Sarah's friend just stood and grinned a grin like she didn't know what to say. But then Sarah started screaming, Why would you do that? Why would you fucking do that? Then she started shouting, That's the Bible Mary Jo got me for a wedding gift. And then Sarah's friend said, I can't believe you would do that, Scott. And Sarah screamed some more at me, and then she stormed up the stairs. That night, Sarah was still pissed and shouting, Why would you do that? I tried to defend myself again. I told her it wasn't a big deal. It was funny. We didn't believe in any of this shit anyway, so what did it matter? I told her we were just bored. Then Sarah said it just creeped her out. She wondered if there were more things I wasn't telling her about, people I was talking to, different life I was leading. She told me you don't mess around with shit like that even if you are joking. Then she told me she wanted it out of the house. She told me she didn't want the burn bob on the house another minute. So I told her I'd put it in the trash in the morning, but that wasn't good enough for her. She told me to get rid of it. I got up and went into the kitchen and got a garbage bag out. Then I swung the garbage bag open and it poofed out poof and full air. I went downstairs and put the bobble inside of it. Little specks of the burn bobble fell off slow like snowflakes falling. Then I pulled the garbage bag string and tied it tight. I put it out in the trash, I told her. That wasn't good enough. She told me she didn't want the garbage men to see it. I yelled and told her that it was pretty fucking ridiculous to care what the fucking garbage guys would say. But then I said, okay, okay. Put my clothes back on and picked up the keys. Told her I'd get rid of it somehow. Left the house in darkness and searched for a place to toss the Bible. Looked at the full moon and drove down the road. Drove to the gas station and got out to throw it away. There was a guy with his back to me pumping gas in the stalls beside mine. Tried to push the big Bible in the trash can beside the gas pumps. The trash can was stuffed full of trash and so the big Bible wouldn't fit. I tried to put the big Bible in sideways, but it still wouldn't fit. The guy who was pumping gas beside me still had his back turned towards me and didn't seem to notice. I heard laughing, and it was the man beside me pumping his gas. He turned towards me, and I saw his face, and I saw his skin. He looked burned. The face was thick with scar tissue, and the mouth looked melted and sculpted into a look of pain. So I just dropped the burn Bible down on the ground, and the burn man just looked at me. So I fled. I got in my car and I fled so fast away. I looked up at the full moon and I watched clouds slipping over and above it and blow it all like knobs. I saw the clouds make ghost shapes in the sky and I saw how silly it all was. And nothing happened. It was done and I wasn't at a crossroads surrounded by an army of angels from hell. And I didn't see the future. I didn't see how my life was going to fall apart and how soon I'd be sick with swan flu. I didn't see how Chris's uncle would commit suicide two months after that, and I didn't see how Chris would get divorced within the year. I didn't see how my daughter would be born so sick and small, and I didn't see how Sarah would say soon that it was over, and there wasn't the sound of ghosts haunting me, and there wasn't anyone showing me the future of my life and how everything I knew and loved would soon disappear. 
and there wasn't anyone there with a pitchfork, and there wasn't the smell of sulfur. There wasn't the promise of a future apocalypse, and the sound of things screaming, or the weeping or gnashing of teeth. There wasn't a crossroads, and there were no souls to sell, and there wasn't any such thing as Satan. There was only me. All hell. Damn, son. The Sarah Book by Scott McClanahan will be out June 20th in print from Tyrant Books and in audio from us. This has been the Talking Book Podcast, uh, the very first episode. can only get better from here, thank God. See more about us at talkingbook.pub. That's talkingbook.pub. My name is Chris Hartram, and uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit before I Door was passing over, and the window.